Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Kristen Davis from Dairy Australia. This episode is part of a series focusing on dry seasonal conditions and related challenges for dairy. Hear from Dairy Australia's development lead, fee based in nutrition, Dr. Josie Garner, and Rural Bank agricultural analyst Sean Hickey as they discuss the current season of feed grain production and how this is expected to impact prices moving forward. They also look at feed grains from a global perspective and examine how the re-entry of China into the Australian barley market is expected to evolve. Hello and welcome to Dairy Pod. My name is Dr Josie Garner and my role at Dairy Australia is Development and Regional Adaptation Lead in the Feed Base and Nutrition Portfolio. So I'm joined by Sean Hickey today. He's from Rural Bank. So Sean's work is primarily focused in the grain and horticulture markets. He's also an author across various rural bank agricultural reports, including farmland values, agricultural outlook and trade, while also producing a number of reports for Pro Pharma Grain Australia. So Sean, would you like to introduce yourself and describe your role? Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, so... Um... I suppose my background is I'm, I'm from the Manly region, um, so kind of grew up around agriculture and have a, a pretty old kind of developed a, a passion for the industry from there. Um, so I've been a member of the Rural Bank Insights team as an agricultural analyst since 2020, so coming up on uh, on four years now. Um, obviously seen some pretty pretty incredible times in ag over this period with the the three uh, Laninas and then the uh, the El Nino now, so some pretty uh, pretty varied conditions. Um, but yeah, obviously been a pretty exciting time in agriculture. Um, I suppose more specifically, I'm mainly focused on your, your grain markets, like you mentioned, and also cover off on a bit of horticulture um, for rural bank there as well. And and then also co-host our own podcast called Unpacking Ag that kind of leverages our, our insights reports, which is always a bit of fun. Yeah, excellent. So given the dry conditions that we've seen this season, how has harvest shaped up from an overall production perspective? Yeah, it's been a, a pretty challenging year for producers, as you can imagine. Obviously, some states and, and regions have struggled more than others, which is typically the case. Um, I suppose in terms of actual numbers, uh, currently we've got national winter cereal production um, sitting at around 34% lower than, than last season. So just on 25.8 million tonnes. Um, obviously, to put that into context, last season was an all-time record in terms of our, our winter crop production. Um, so it's probably not as significant a decline as that 34% kind of makes it seem. Um, it's essentially just a touch below your, your longer term averages in terms of overall national winter cereal production. Um, so yeah, there is a large decline there, but perhaps not as bad as what it seems. Um, at a state level, we saw every single state with the exception of Victoria see a year on year decline of over 30%. Um, so those dry conditions impacted obviously your northern New South Wales, Queensland, and, and WA pretty harshly, and then parts of South Australia also. Um, Victoria saw that really timely rainfall in October, um, which actually boosted uh, crop production pretty nicely there. It, it essentially meant the crops were able to hit their yield potential. Um, so we've got Victorian wheat production actually sitting similar to last season, nearly at a record. Uh, so that's almost at 5.6 million tonnes in, in Victoria. Again, there's actually the possibility that final harvest could even exceed that amount. Um, we did see pretty heavy rainfall in, in parts of, uh, of northern Victoria 
in late November. So that does have the potential to impact quality. Um, but again, it's, it's probably more of a wait and see thing. We don't expect harvesters to get back out into, into paddocks for another, uh, well, until probably early December now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how big of an impact they, that's had on Victoria, given that they were, were on track for a really strong near on record season. Um, so that's your wheat. In terms of barley, we, we saw kind of similar declines. So year on year national production decline for barley of, of 25%. Uh, so national production for barley now sitting at around 10.4 million tonnes, which is a little bit below uh, your, your longer term averages. Um, again, I suppose it's it's just a result of that dry finish that we saw across most of the country, um, which is, uh, yeah, to, to be broadly expected. Um, but in terms of overall harvest pace, things are obviously ticking along uh, at, at a really good clip. Uh, so we expect most regions to be done by Christmas. But again, that rainfall that we did see across parts of, of northern, northeastern Vic, uh, potential to, to perhaps push things out a little bit later than than what were was initially expected, um, even just a few weeks ago. Um, just depending on how how early they are able to to get back uh, to get back out into paddocks. They're all really encouraging figures, actually, Sean. It's probably contrary to some. Um what people have been anticipating the harvest may be. So so I guess with harvest that's now entering its its later stages, as you mentioned, yields looking good, but but what about quality? Yeah, that's that's the interesting point, isn't it? Um obviously has a, a pretty big impact on on pricing and everything else. It's I suppose coming into harvest, we were obviously expecting with that dry finish, you typically get your your higher protein levels in your your wheat and your barley specifically. Um the, the surprise, I suppose, has been that we've seen less protein in most crops in most regions than perhaps what we were anticipating, um, despite what the kind of the consensus was. So, so broadly, we are seeing lower protein levels than one would normally expect at the, at the moment, basically. Um, so we, we have revised our kind of estimates for your ASW and your feed grade wheat up a little bit higher uh, than, than what we had coming into harvest. Um, and then on, on the barley side of things, obviously it's a little bit different. The lower protein levels has actually seen a larger proportion of the crop make your multi-grades rather than your feed grades that you see with your wheat. So again, what we're seeing there is your, your malt, uh, your malt spreads really began to, to tighten up throughout November. Um, and that's certainly expected to be the case throughout, uh, throughout December as well. So overall quality, not as, as high in terms of protein, which, which should see a, a larger, um, larger proportion of the crop make feed grade essentially. Yeah, well, again, that's a pretty encouraging outlook for farmers when we think about what our availability of grain is going to be going forward and what to expect in terms of its quality. But, you know, what is the overall feed grain availability looking post-harvest and how have the proportion of feed grade deliveries differed at a state level? Yeah, I suppose it's an interesting question because you've got the like we said, you've got that um, differing, I suppose, overall uh, protein levels of what we're, we were expecting. Um, so, so high proportions making your feed grades. But then on the other hand, you do have significantly lower production than what we saw last season and, and the season before with those uh, wetter conditions. Um, so I suppose taking it back in, in terms of the actual uh, split of, of your, your feed grades, at a national level, we've got 24% of the, uh, the Australian wheat crop making ASW grade. So that'll be around 6 million tonnes. Um, now to compare that to last season, uh, around 17 million tonnes went as, as ASW. 
Uh, so a pretty significant drop off in, in your availability of your ASW wheat with that that huge crop and, and really worked fierce that we saw last season, um, which which drove a, a much higher proportion of your lower grade wheats. In terms of your specific actual lower feed wheat classification, that's around 4% of the crop this season, um, which is just under a million uh, metric tons. Again, down from yeah, 7.9 million tons or, or so last season. Um, so national availability there is obviously going to be uh, much more constrained than what we did see last season. Um, at a state level, Western Australia has that high proportion of, of, of feed grade wheat, um, while your Queensland and, your, and your New South Wales, northern New South Wales in particular, um, with that uh, really lower proportion of, of feed wheat, again, resulting from the really dry winter that we saw um, and just generally dry season as well, I suppose. Um, but that's from your supply perspective, I suppose, in, in terms of overall availability. Um, from your demand um, perspective, I suppose domestic demand for feed grades is obviously going to still remain really strong into 2024. Um, we have seen that increase in slaughter rates for cattle over the past six months with those dry conditions, but but broadly the, the number of livestock on feed remains really high. Um, so that'll certainly be supportive from a pricing perspective, um, keeping, keeping prices uh, if not elevated at, at average or slightly above average, um, particularly once that initial harvest selling begins to kind of come out of the market, which we have seen um, in the kind of second half of, of November, and no doubt we'll see um, into December as well. Um, so that's that's probably one to watch from from early uh, early January. But that's I suppose the the supply and demand fundamentals of your your, your overall feed grain availability. The last one is, is sorghum, I suppose, up in uh, up in your, your Queensland, your northern New South Wales. So we saw some some really positive rainfall events there um, in, in, at the end of November, um, and that's helped to, to drive an increase in the expectations for planted area. Um, so so we should hopefully see some some increased sorghum availability on the market once once harvest comes through for the summer crop. Um, and again, I suppose I haven't touched too much on barley, but we are seeing um, most barley going malt with that lower proportion of of protein in the crop. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's probably going to, to have an impact on the availability of, of your, uh, your feed barley in your, your Southern New South Wales and, and Victoria in particular. Yeah. So, so overall grain availability is looking okay, but in some regions, New South Wales in particular and Southeast Queensland, there could be some issues with availability. Yeah. A little bit tighter. Yep. Yeah. So in saying that. Their options would be to freight in grain from other regions. So what what are freight costs looking like? So we know that this has been in front of farmers' minds for a while now with the increased cost of fuel and that cost being passed on to the farmer. So kind of, do you have any forecasts of what what's expected in terms of freight into the coming year? Yeah, freight's always a, a bit of a challenging one, I suppose, because it is so so regional as well. Um, but like you mentioned, those those higher fuel and, and diesel costs are certainly one of those key issues. Um, I suppose at the moment, we've got that much more crop needing to be moved this season than what we had seen the, the past two seasons with those, those record winter crops. Um, so that should hopefully see freight rates move a little bit lower um, compared to uh, this time last year and even into, into early this year. Hopefully early 24 sees um, just that the, the reduced amount of grain needing to be moved, greater availability availability of freight, and uh, and and hopefully um, some lower freight costs on the back of that. Um, obviously, last year we also saw pretty significant damage to, to your road network and impacts on the the supply chain there, which which temporarily also put put 
cost a little bit higher than perhaps what they uh, what they normally would be. Um, you, you touched on fuel costs, and obviously they're one of the big ones. Don't think there's too much of an expectation that that fuel costs will drop significantly, at least in early 2024. Uh, obviously, we've still got that lower Australian dollar, um, which which isn't helping us in that case either, um, and and just generally volatile oil production globally too. So uh, I think high fuel costs are probably here to stay, which which probably means those well above average freight costs are, are here to stay as well into into early 2024. But hoping that that smaller crop as the year progresses. We'll see um, sea freight costs come back down with that reduced amount of grain needing to be be moved. Um, interestingly, longer term, I, I was having a look at this. We saw a report released by Grain Growers Australia. Um, so they were kind of looking specifically at supply chains and, and freight costs as well. Um, so they found some pretty large inefficiencies in Australia's supply chain, particularly on the, the east coast of Australia. Um, so we, that was kind of resulting from uh, poor investment in your infrastructure on roads and, and bridges in, in particular. So uh, kind of bridges that, that hadn't been upgraded or maintained had pretty significant weight restrictions, which just uh, restricted essentially the the um, the type of, of truck and, and freight that could go across those. So we saw that uh, that essentially increased freight costs from $19 a ton for, for an AB double to $27 a ton for, for your B double. Um, which really does show that import, the importance of government investment in, in your road and bridge infrastructure, particularly over the next kind of five to 10 years. Um, because if it's not a, a problem that's addressed sooner rather than later, it's certainly an issue that persists and, and become worse as time progresses. Yeah, I mean, I hope we can see that level of investment in our regional roads because this is not an issue that's going to go away anytime soon. So just taking a look at global markets for a minute. We know that our local current feed grain prices, they kind of remain well above what we're seeing at a global level. Can you provide some insight as to why that is? Yeah, there's a, a few key reasons to kind of touch on. Um, so we've obviously seen that much smaller crop produced in Australia season, touched on that plenty with those dry seasonal conditions. Um, so essentially reduced supply locally. And then on the flip side, um, what you've got in the Northern Hemisphere is we've seen record production across Russia, which is one of the world's largest wheat producers, pretty decent European production, current US winter wheat crop is in decent condition compared to what we've seen at this time in, in previous years. Uh, so yeah, that, that rebounding output in the Northern Hemisphere uh, has essentially weighed on on their markets and their pricing. Um, whereas we've seen the, the opposite impact here where we've, we've obviously seen uh, local pricing uh, gain that support from from reduced local production estimates. Um, as we head into the new year, we do expect that Northern Hemisphere exports will really kind of decline. Uh, so they see freezing conditions, their yeah, winter months up there, which which does um, impact uh, supply out of, out of those regions. We'd expect that to push global demand a little bit back towards Australian grains, particularly from your Southeast Asian destinations. Um, which again provides more support for your, your local pricing too uh, at this at this time of year anyway. Um, so yeah, c- coming out of their winter or, or our summer will be interesting. That's kind of when they really get to reassess their crops and, and understand how well they've survived the, the winter months. Um, so you can see some real volatility in, in production estimates and also pricing at that time um, because quite often people just aren't sure how well their crops fared in, in, in winter in the middle of Europe or in the middle of Russia. Um, so if things come out a little bit better than expected or a little bit worse than expected, um, global markets can can react pretty quickly there as well. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And just staying global for this next question. Remembering back to earlier in the year when um, we were seeing in the media about the removal of Chinese tariffs on Australian barley. So I just wanted to get your insights into, have you seen the accompanying increase in buying from China as a result of that? Yeah, it was, well, it's certainly been one of the more broadly talked about stories over the past two years, three years, hasn't it? Since, since, uh, since China put those kind of punitive tariffs and, and trade bans in, in place. Um, and I guess short answer is we, we really have. Um, so China came straight back into the Australian barley market in August, I think it was. Um, so I've just got a figure here. So we saw, we've seen just over a million tons of barley shipped so far this season. So the 23-24 season. Uh, of that 1 million tons, China's accounted for just over 680,000 tons of that. So so they've accounted for more than half of all of our barley exports. And we're seeing another 430-odd thousand ton booked through to China before the end of the year even. Um, and that trend, again, expected to really continue into to 2024 in terms of uh, China being the, the largest buyer of, of Australian barley. So, uh, yeah, they've been key to, I suppose, underlying support in Australian barley markets in your export-orientated port zones. Less so, obviously, in your your uh, your domestic feed demand in in Queensland, New South Wales, and and Victoria is is is, uh, is much more dominant. But but in South Australia and Western Australia, you you see that uh, that impact from Chinese buying a, a lot more on uh, on prices than perhaps what you do see on the, on the east coast. But um, yeah, I suppose to put the answer or, or take the answer back to it to a short answer. Yep, that that buying's come back really quickly from China, and uh, it's certainly expected to to stick around. That's a positive for the for our barley growers. Just curious, given that the barley crop has been low in protein and more of that going towards the malt markets, uh, is that is that a product that the Chinese are interested in buying? So, or, or will they be competing with the feed grade barley? Yeah, they do. So they buy a, a mix of your your feed and your malt barley. So they'll certainly still be be interested in the the malt uh, the malt variety barley. Uh, in, in in some situations, they they can make use of. Uh, your, your lower protein feed barley to, to produce uh, your beer as well, which we don't do so much here. Um, so they'll, they'll they'll still be very interested regardless of which way the crop skews in terms of whether it goes more malt or more feed. Yeah, right. That's very interesting. Now, this is probably the question that our farmers are going to want to know about most, prices. So <laughs> what are your expectations for prices across the feed markets over kind of the first six months of 2024. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's always the hardest one to to predict, and it's the easiest one to be wrong about. Um, but I suppose for I suppose I'll, I'll cover off on, on on wheat and barley, and we'll, we'll go through them. But for for feed wheat, really anticipate there will be some upside to pricing. So prices will probably rise once that harvest selling eases, um, and and that export demand picks up in, in early 2024. Um, with that reduced demand, like we mentioned, for, from your northern hemisphere producers in, in Russia and and uh, and Ukraine, um, so we would ad- anticipate, yeah, feedweed prices to, to lift slightly higher, um, perhaps not as high as we were anticipating. That's uh, just a, a, a broad result of the lower protein mix that we have seen on on the east coast this year. So perhaps a little bit more supply than we're anticipating as well. Um, but yeah, that that that'll tick slightly slightly higher than what we're seeing at the moment. Um, again, we're thinking that those key Asian markets will kind of return to Australia um, in the 
the kind of summer and autumn months when uh, when exports out of the Russia and Black Sea regions are, are reduced a little bit. Um, in terms of in terms of barley, uh, like we mentioned, domestic demand is is again going to be that key driver for uh, for Aussie feed barley prices heading into the new year. Um, that that addition of I suppose extra feed wheat will we'll see some some greater competition from from barley um, again due to that lower than anticipated protein content that we saw this season. So uh, we might see a bit of a tale of two halves for for your barley pricing this year. Um, over on the east coast, where your uh, your I suppose stronger domestic feed demand uh, in in twenty twenty four will will be the primary driver of prices there. Whereas in in Western Australia and uh, and South Australia, that Chinese export demand will be the the significant price support that we're expecting to to see. So uh, both barley and, and and wheat to tick higher. Whether that's between your kind of 20 or 50 dollars a ton over the next kind of three or four months post harvest uh, is, is probably what we're anticipating there um, once we uh, once we start getting towards the the end of autumn though we might start to uh, see um, global factors begin to, to weigh on prices if uh, if um, production holds up at a, at a global level following their winter okay so it's very much watch this space in terms of pricing <laughs> more or less yeah Bro- broadly higher uh, I suppose would be the 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 key thing to take out of that um but again that's probably for the first two two to three months of 2024 um post that will be very much so just driven by your your underlying supply and and demand fundament, fundamentals um depending on your your port zone yeah and depending on how the season plays out i guess yeah exactly right um we'll know more kind of at, at christmas time uh thinking harvest should be mostly wrapped up in most regions uh, by, by Christmas time, barring any more kind of heavy rainfall events that, that keep people out of paddocks. Um, so that's kind of when the market's able to, to be a little bit more firm. Um, growers are able to be a little bit more confident as, as to what price point they want to sell at. Um, and, and, and you see your end users also uh, more confident in terms of when they're looking to, to buy as well. So everyone just seems to gain, well, post-harvest, everyone gains a little bit more clarity uh, around how uh, production looks, but also like we touched on how the uh, the quality of the crop looks too. Yeah, no, that's really great insights. I really appreciate you joining us today, Sean. Um, yeah, so thanks for your insights on all things feed grain market. And I've gained some really valuable tips and I'm sure our farmer listeners would have gained some really valuable insights to get an update on how the grain market and harvest is going. So thanks for joining us today, Sean. No worries at all, Jesse. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. If you'd like to access Dairy Australia's industry reports, including our weekly grain report, visit the industry statistics section of the Dairy Australia website. We have also placed this and other useful links in the episode notes. We hope that you have enjoyed this Dairy Pod episode. If you have any questions or ideas for the program, you can get in contact with us by emailing dairypod at dairyaustralia.com.au Thank you for listening.